Well, good morning. I must say you all look better than you did last year. Um, so with the new year, January 1st, 2023, uh, with the new year comes new opportunities, new friendships, new challenges, and as Roger said earlier, a new name for our church. No longer are we Christ the King, Christ the King Grace Walkamaw Church. It's a mouthful. Just Christ the King. Um, so already in the new year, we have something new. And this morning, as we take our first few steps and breaths in the new year, I want to encourage you to set your heart, soul, mind, and strength on God in all that you do in this new year. May this year be unlike last year and the years prior. Now, I'm not saying that you need to take on the challenge to complete this of reading the entire Bible in the new year or learning Aramaic or ancient Hebrew to understand the Bible in its original language. I don't want you to bite off something that you can't chew that you would just discard after two weeks. But even though those are great accomplishments that you could achieve, um, it's just too much sometimes. Sometimes we can set resolutions for ourselves that are just, we, we think we can achieve, but are unachievable. And so instead of talking about that this morning, um, I want us to look at Psalm 1, as we just read, and what we can learn from it, and how we can learn from the blessed man and his actions in Psalm 1. Because in this new year, we have the opportunity to completely change our lives so that we are living the way of the righteous, as we read in Psalm 1. And not only for this year, but also for the years to come. Now, most of us make New Year's resolutions or take part in what has become about of, of choosing a word for the new year, picking a word and letting that word be the banner, um, a banner for your life of the new year. I've heard people pick words such as joy, love, or even peace and speak that over themselves for the entire year. I tried it one year and I picked the word rest and I actually got the least amount of rest that I think I've ever gotten in a year in that year. So it didn't work. But what I'm about to show to you about New Year's resolutions might sound grim, but I just wanted to shed light on New Year's resolutions in America. According to the Society for Personality and Social Psychology in 2022, 23% of Americans said that they wanted to live healthier. 21% said that they chose personal improvement or happiness, while 20% of Americans said that they chose losing weight as their New Year's resolution. Now, none of these are bad resolutions. A few of these can greatly improve your health, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. But they don't really last, which is why we always are making new resolutions each new year. A 2016 study says that of the 41% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions, only 9% of those people say they feel they were successful in keeping them. They looked at why there was a success or failure rate amongst those people, especially within the first six months. And they found that of, that of those who make a New Year's resolution, after one week, 75% are still successful in keeping them. After two weeks, the number drops to 71%. And after a month, the number drops again to 64%. And then they wanted to look at why there was these reasons for failure. And they found that 35% of the participants who failed their New Year's resolutions said they had unrealistic goals, as I mentioned earlier. 33% of participants who failed didn't keep tra track of their progress. 23% forgot about their resolutions entirely. And about 1 in 10 people who failed said they made too many resolutions for themselves. So I don't tell you this, these disheartening statistics to rain upon your New Year's resolutions, because as I said, some of them can be beneficial to your health. But what I want to share with you 
is that almost all of these resolutions are inward focused, not outward, and especially don't have a focus upon Jesus. By taking part in these kinds of resolutions, will our souls become more blessed or will we become more of a blessing unto others? I don't think so. What I want to discuss with you today is how we can become more like the blessed man in this psalm, Psalm 1. Because if we become more like the blessed man in this psalm, then we in turn become more like Jesus and in return become more of a blessing unto others. So let's unpack Psalm 1. As you can see, this first psalm in the book of Psalms is very black and white, very this or that. It isn't ambiguous. The more that we unpack this morning, the more that you'll see the the explicit nature of it. But let's be grateful that we have such a definitive teaching from God. Out of his love for us, he gave not only his son to die on the cross for our sins, but so much more. And one of them being his law, as we see in Psalm 1. He gives us examples on how to be viewed as righteous in his eyes. Because friends, there is only one way to be found righteous in the eyes of God. Verse 2 of this psalm is the heart of this psalm. It is the thesis. It is the cornerstone. It may be one of the verses that drives both me, you, and our church through 2023 and the years to come. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now before we get too, too far ahead of ourselves, what is the law of the Lord? It's an interesting word, the law, that's used here, because it's contrary to the way that we use the law, that word, in our daily, um, our daily vocabulary. The law that's used here can be interchanged with instruction. So if we were to read it in that translation, it would be, but his delight is in the instruction of the Lord, and on his instruction, he meditates day and night. The law of God, or instruction of God, is just one aspect of the word of God, the Bible. Think of it like this. Picture the Bible as a bookcase. And on the shelves of that bookcase are, of course, books. But the books on this bookcase are titled, The Law of the Lord, which are his, are his instruction to us. But we will also find a book on there called The Revelations of God, The Wisdom of God, The History of God's People, which tell of his blessings and covenants with them. But we'll also find a book of poetry, as well as a book on the love of God, amongst other things. What I'm trying to get across is that within the Word of God, the Bible, in its entirety, there's a plethora of books, poems, stories, praises, and parables, amongst other things, that cover a wide range of topics. And with those books within the Bible, we need to delight in and meditate upon day and night, just like the law of the Lord, as we read in Psalm 1. As a dear friend and theologian once told me, when we meditate on the law, we have the opportunity to see it as God intended it. Then we can delight in it because we can see the good things that the law brings about. So when we read this verse, we must ask ourselves and reflect upon these two questions. Do we today delight in the instruction in law and the instruction in word of the Lord? And do we meditate upon it day and night? If not, then admit it to yourselves. Be completely honest with yourself because it's okay. But if you want to change from this or improve upon it in the new year, then please don't make it a resolution. Instead, just do it. You will fail at times, but don't give up. Keep pressing forward. But be sure to do it out of your love for the Lord and not half-heartedly. If you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I delight in the instruction of the Lord? And how do I meditate upon it day and night? 
The answer to these two questions can have a myriad of forms. Of course, the simple answer is to read your Bible and pray more. This simple answer, it's actually an answer that I don't allow my students to give me when I ask them how they want to come to know the Lord more, how they want to grow in their faith, because it's too simplistic. Instead, my desire is to get them to tell me a straightforward answer, and with that answer, I encourage them, and I keep them accountable to it, just as I would want somebody to do for me. So how do we meditate on the instruction of the Word of God and delight in it? Well, first, we need to understand how much of a dire need we are in for it and for God. In Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3, we read, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Incredible, isn't it, how if we recognize our desperate need for God and his word, that we'll thirst and faint for it. Also, how we, how we will delight in it and love God more than life. Also, his word and instruction are true sources of life. Jesus speaks of the same nature in Matthew 4, 4, when he says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the answer to the two questions of how do we meditate upon the law of the Lord and delight in it, both day and night. It is clear how vital the word of God is to our soul. So let us never forsake the word of God, which is true and life-giving and sharper than any two-edged sword. May God and his word bring us more delight than anything that this world can offer us. If I may relate it to myself, this psalm, to my own life, I do not know what is best for me. I can surely think of a, a thousand different ways, and maybe Google a thousand different ways of disciplines and habits to get into, to try and better myself. But it is only God and his word that, can tr- that I can truly find what is best for me. It is the author and the creator of life that knows what is best for me. Through his word, he instructs me on what is best for me, as I said, both emotionally, mentally, physically, and most important, spiritually, which matters most. And so for just a few moments, I want to go over with you the beauty and the breadth of the book of Psalms. The reason for this is because I'll make a case to you this morning on how reading through the book of Psalms, just reading a psalm a day, can help you obtain a greater understanding of who God is, the Christian faith, and how to live a Christian life, or as the psalmist puts it, the way of the righteous. If you didn't know, the book of Psalms is is smack dab in the middle of your Bible. If you just open it up, it'll probably land in the book of Psalms has 150 chapters or poems contained within it. It is incredible to see and read of the different emotions and feelings in the book of Psalms, which contain a vast array of each. In it, we'll see the love and adoration toward God, sorrow over sin, the battle of fear and trust, thankfulness for God's care, and so many other emotions and feelings. And I challenge you to think, what self-help book is out there that touches upon any of these or all of these emotions in just one book. Reading a psalm a day will take you roughly six months. How do I know this is because I've done it? And think about when you look at these emotions and feelings in the book of Psalms that we see, are they not also emotions and feelings that we experience within a calendar year? 
So why not reading through the book of Psalms will you also relate to and see a book that is, where you read words that are feelings and emotions that you're currently experiencing or have experienced or you know that you will experience in a calendar year. So reading a psalm a day is a great practice because I've done it before and it was recommended to me from a dear friend and priest. And so Danielle and I read a psalm a day at night with Jane. And we continue to do this with her. Uh, we've done it for about two years now and admittedly we do miss a day here and there or we'll break a psalm up over a few days. Because if you don't know, Psalm 119 has 176 verses, and you just can't read that many verses with a two-year-old on your lap. So you can break it up. Sometimes we go back and read a psalm over from the day before, or maybe a week prior, because it relates to the emotions and feelings that Danielle and I, or even Jane, have experienced. But I can tell you this, that the days that we miss reading a psalm are unlike the days that we do read a psalm. Because in the days that we do read a psalm, we feel as if, because it's true that we're drawing near to God, and he's drawing near to us. So this is the practice that I recommend to you, because it can help you meditate on God's word, and also find joy in it. There is power in not only reading the word of God, but also reading it aloud, and in the fellowship of the saints. It's one of the reasons why we do it multiple times within our services every Sunday, or whenever we meet. So when the psalmist writes that the blessed man meditates upon the law of the Lord day and night, he's not speaking at just those times of the day. But instead, he is saying that the blessed man's days are saturated with the law or instruction of the Lord. So where even at both day and night, he is meditating, pondering, and reflecting upon it. But please don't miss that not only is he meditating upon it, he is delighting in it. It is not some chore that he does. It is not a resolution that he has made and that he's begrudgingly going through and holding fast to for six months, hoping he can make it out to the end of the year. It is something that his heart desires because it blesses him. It draws him near to God. It is the word of God that he finds pure joy in. And why is that? Because he is reading the words of his maker, the God who was and is and is to come, the God who saved him. That's who wrote the words that he is reading and reflecting upon and finding delight in. So what can help us in this new year to not only delight in the Lord and his law, but meditate upon it day and night? The answer to that question is the church. I don't mean the building, but I mean the body of born-again believers in Jesus Christ. We need the church. Psalm 1 touches upon instances and environments that do not bring life, but instead bring death. Ponder upon your time in 2022. And honestly, review your year. When and where were you in the council of wicked? When were you standing in the way of sinners? Or when were you seated amongst the scoffers? Was it possibly at your job, at the gym, or on the golf course? Or maybe even a Facebook group? Better yet, a text group chat. I mention all of these examples because I have been guilty of being in one of these instances or environments at some point in my life. I've realized this by the grace of God and have removed myself from them because they did not bring life. They had a negative influence upon me and my walk with the Lord. It's in these instances of life where we are influenced and thus have influence on others outside of that instances or instance or environment. We are called to not be associated with these sorts of things. Now, I'm not telling you to not go into those instances or environments because Jesus himself in Mark 2.16 sat and ate with tax collectors and sinners. 
But Jesus had influence in those environments and on those people within those instances and environments. They did not have an influence upon him as if they even had the power to. So if you find yourself in any of those instances or environments that I have mentioned, then then leave them if they're detrimental to your faith, to your walk with the Lord. The Apostle Peter taught us in 1 Peter 5, 8, that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking looking to seek and devour someone. And beloved, I pray that this has not become you. Now, if you are in these environments and you're being a reflection of Jesus, both of his love and his compassion, then I praise God for you. I thank you, because you're an inspiration to me and to the church. So what do we do? How do we change going forward in this new year from leaving these instances and environments that have a negative impact in our life, as Psalm 1 mentions? Well, let's look at the first verse, and vice versa form them. Instead of walking in the counsel of the wicked, let's walk in the counsel of the righteous. Instead of standing in the way of the sinners, let's stand in the way of Jesus. Because as Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. A little caveat note, the first Christians were not known as Christians, but instead as belonging to the way, the way of Jesus. Also, instead of sitting in the seat of scoffers, let's sit in the seats alongside those who will take upon our burdens onto themselves, who will pray with us, who will weep when we weep, and who will rejoice when we rejoice. You're doing it right now. You're sitting in the body of born-again believers in Jesus Christ. And so an answer to the dilemmas and predicaments such as these that we can find ourselves in is the church. The church, as Tim Keller puts it, is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for the saints. A church is where you will find, as I said, a body of sinners united in Jesus who come together to glorify God. There you will find praise, worship, teaching, and most importantly, the love of God. There is no perfect church, though. Why is that? Because we're all sinners. But let the church help you in your walk with the Lord, especially when life becomes hard and almost unbearable, just as we read in in the first psalm and in all the psalms. Church is where your faith and understanding and especially love for the Lord can greatly increase. In 2023, may our church, Christ the King, become more, more united to Christ and in Christ. May the doors of our church and the doors of our hearts always be open to the lost, the poor, the sick, and the destitute, just as Jesus' was. May the spirit of this church and our own spirits be set on fire, an unquenchable fire, so that it may never be put out, but be a light unto others within our community and to who, unto whoever we may encounter. And may the teaching and preaching and worship that is done in our church not just fill our hearts and minds but with knowledge of the Lord and his law, but so that with it we can be a light unto others outside the church so that they may hear and see the good news of Jesus Christ. And lastly, may our whole beings, both of what we were endowed with and the skills that we have acquired in this life, be used to glorify and honor God, which he will then use to expand and strengthen his kingdom. I want to close this morning with you all by drawing attention to how the writer of this psalm relates the blessed man to a tree planted by streams of water. To give you an image that can help this verse come to life, would it be a tree that you may be aware of that is native native to my home state of Florida, the mangrove tree. This tree is incredible because it's immovable. It's an anchor in its environment. The mangrove tree acts as a blockade during intense weather, 
such as hurricanes, which we get plenty of back home, or floods. The environment that the mangrove tree resides in actually takes its shape from it. If a mangrove tree were to be removed from its environment, the entire layout of that environment will change. With that being said, in Psalm 1, we read how the, the wicked man is like chaff. Now, if you've ever held chaff in your hand or sawdust, then you know that if you blow it or if the wind blows across your hand, the chaff will scatter. Unlike the mangrove tree or the tree that we read of in Psalm 1 that's planted by streams of water, of how it's rooted in its environment, wherever it may be. So church, we're called to be immovable and unable to be influenced by the ways of the world. Like the mangrove tree and the tree planted by streams of water in the first psalm, may our faith be immovable. Jesus gave us a parable to show how our immovable faith should be, how it should be like. In the parable of, how, of the parable, build your house on the rock. In it, we see two houses, one built on sand and the other on rock. And it's the house that was built on the rock that lasted when the torrential rains and floods came because of its solid foundation. It was not swept away like the house that was built on sand. Jesus is our foundation, our all in all. So may we all abide in him and dwell in him. So use this new year to become ever more righteous in the eyes of the Lord. Stray from the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seats of scoffers, and said, delight in the instruction of the Lord and meditate upon his instruction over your lives days and night. May your days be saturated with them. Beloved, know that those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus are already justified in the eyes of the Lord. And during our time here on earth, we should strive to become more and more sanctified because we are finally, until we are finally glorified in him. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.